I want to welcome you here today for part three of His Presence. Even before I begin, I just want to uh, say how good it is to be together in his presence here. There's a part of today's message that I can't bring. There's a part of today's message that even uh, the worship team can't bring. Part of today's message for it to really hit you is that you sense that God is here. And that you experience what Jesus promised, that wherever two or three are gathered together in his name, he is there in our midst. And there's something exciting about being together and worshiping together. I don't know if your experience is like mine, but back in the day when we were kind of isolated and worshiping on a screen, uh, it was just not the same there was a sense in which there was a renewal of the power of his presence experienced when we came together and began to worship together. And so uh, it's just a joy to experience that together. So even as I begin preaching this message, I recognize that God has to bring this message for us to experience it. Today's topic is what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Now, in the text, we'll read, uh, be filled by the Spirit, and some translations, be filled with the Spirit. I'm not going to quibble about whether it's with or by. In my opinion, it's both, and there's translations either direction, and we will begin by this statement. I've heard it said, God pity the preacher who has never sensed his presence. Now, I love it when God manifests his presence to my senses. Now, he may be present, and I don't sense him, but I love it when he manifests his presence to my senses. Sometimes this happens while I'm out praying. Sometimes this happens when I'm in my study studying. Sometimes he speaks in such a way that's just, whoa, thank you, God. Sometimes it happens while I'm with you and teaching, where I sense his presence coming through. God pity the preacher who never senses his presence. So sad. But you know what? Sensing God's presence isn't just for the preacher. God pity the believer who has never sensed his presence. And we are talking about sensing the very presence of God when we are filled with the Spirit. Now, I haven't, just having said that, all I had to do is say, today we're talking about what it means to be filled with the Spirit, and I know that today I'm going to get two reactions before I keep preaching the Word. One reaction is just this, I'm ready, I can't wait to hear more. I want to be filled with the Spirit and give it to us. And there's that eager, I'm ready to listen sense from a lot of believers. Then there's going to be others today, and perhaps even in this room, and it is more apprehensive more, oh, wow, maybe I shouldn't have picked today to come kind of feeling. It's like sensing his presence, like the Spirit's presence here. This sounds a little bit over the top for me. Maybe it's from the background, or maybe it's watching it from afar, and maybe thinking it's going to be about something that maybe it is, maybe it isn't, and you're just wondering what it's going to be. And some people even jump to the conclusion, like, filled with the Spirit, like, possessed? Oh, 
oh, that's weird. I'm getting out of here, and you're ready to leave. Please don't. At least hear me out in the very beginning because I'll just be quoting the words of Jesus and by the time we hear some of the words of Jesus, you're gonna wanna hear more. And so I just wanna start in that way because Jesus promises a marvelous gift and we're gonna be talking about that from the words of Jesus right at the beginning. So point number one is this, a promised gift, a promised gift gift. Now this, in my opinion, this topic that we're studying today, I don't think it gets any more important than this. I mean, when we're talking about Jesus, yes, that's as important as it can get. But when we talk about the Holy Spirit and how God's very presence enters into our lives because of what Jesus has done, it doesn't get any more important than this. So, Listen to Jesus as he says these words. John 4.10, Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Some of you recall that this is what he said to the Samaritan woman at the well when she was out drawing water and Jesus asks for a drink and Jesus just whets her thirst, I'd say appetite, for something more than just the water she's there for. And then, uh, skipping a few verses, John 4, 13 through 14, Jesus said, everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again, but whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. So this gift sounds pretty crazy, it sounds really interesting, and it, it's, he's claiming to be able to give you something that satisfies your thirst for more than water. <laughs> it satisfies your thirst spiritually in this amazing, welling up way from inside of you. We read in the same gospel, John 7, 38, the one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flow from deep within him. This is an incredible thing that he's uh, preparing us to hear more about, and he's going to tell us more about it. We're going to go over some of those things that he says in a moment, where it's going to be inside, welling up, quenching your thirst. I don't know where you're coming from. I would love to experience more of that. I want to experience more of his presence, more of this satisfaction, a lot more than just a dip in a sip on a Sunday. I mean, I want rivers of living water, which is the NIV translation of streams of living water. I want this river of rushing water welling up from deep inside of me where no matter how much I drink, it doesn't go away. The level does not drop. It's just, it's just overabundant supply overflowing from me, through me to others, and the experience is just expounding in joy uh, exponentially even in, as I need it and as I give it, I'm experiencing it more kind of thing. So I want more experiences of his presence just based on Jesus's words here alone. Again, I can't speak for you. I hope that you don't feel like running away as we enter into the mystery of 
God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, three, yet one God. And how does this work? Where we can be filled with the very presence of God because of what Jesus has done through the Holy Spirit and experience that. I want more of this promised gift. Point number two, a commanded responsibility. Here's where a lot of believers just don't get it. They think and they wait and they're praying and they're asking and they don't see their responsibility for being filled with the Spirit and we are responsible for being filled with the Spirit. So the key verse for today, and we'll keep coming back to this key verse, is from Paul with this phrase about being filled with the Spirit. It's from Ephesians 5.18. It reads this way. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit. Be filled by the Spirit. There's a quote on the screen that I'm just going to read for you. When you are filled with the Spirit, you are filled with an overflowing supply of grace. This living water, this well of water within you, it's an overflowing flowing supply of grace, everything you need for a good and beautiful life that pleases God. And that statement is an understatement. Okay? So it's also, though, a commanded responsibility. Be filled by the Spirit. And a lot of believers don't know how this works because they don't realize they have a responsibility in this to be filled by the Spirit. Did you know that we can block that flow? You can accept the salvation that comes from Jesus Christ. You can receive the Spirit of God and you have been given access to this overflowing, welling up uh, river of overflowing grace that the Spirit just keeps bringing and bringing and bringing, and you can block that flow. And the Scripture describes it when you do block that flow. One way it describes it is this, Ephesians 4.30, and don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. When you block the flow of the overflowing grace that comes by virtue of the victory of Jesus Christ, his crucifixion and resurrection, when you block the flow of that victory applied to your life, it's called grieving the Holy Spirit. Two things I want to just emphasize with just that, that simple phrase, the Holy Spirit, again, I want to remind you, is a person, not a force. He grieves when you block him from flowing all of the victory of Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection to your life, when you block that, the Holy Spirit is completely grieved by that. The second thing I want you to understand is that when that gets blocked, or when you're not feeling it, when you're not feeling His presence, It's not because the Holy Spirit isn't giving it to you. It's because of you. Some people want to just say, well, I prayed. I'm not feeling it. And I pray and pray and pray and God's just not giving it. And I've been doing my part. No, there's something else you're not doing 
and you're blocking it. And that's why you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit wants to apply the overflowing supply of grace that comes by virtue of faith in Jesus Christ and what he's done on the cross and through his resurrection. But something that you're doing is blocking it. And maybe you don't even know what it is, but you haven't taken time to figure it out. And so you've blocked off the supply. So let's go back to the key verse, but be filled by the Spirit. Now, I'm going to get boring on you for a second. This verb is a second person plural, present passive imperative command. Um, I took years of Greek to be able to say that. And some of you have taken, uh, you know, grammar to a deep level of, of parsing verbs and understand that. But I want to take it in a simplistic way to help you understand something. And so I don't want to dive deep into grammar. I want to dive deep into Jesus. So let me give you a real simple um, translation of this verb. Keep on being filled by the Holy Spirit is exactly what this is saying, and it's commanded. So there's something you must do to keep on being filled by the Holy Spirit. Now, having said that, we're ready for point number three. So it's a gift and it's a responsibility. You receive once, but you're filled repeatedly. And so I want to just illustrate that with a crude illustration of a bucket half filled with water, which really makes our worship team crazy because I have water near the electronics. Um, so I'll try to be careful. Um, and, and a few weeks ago, I made our security team crazy because I had fire up here. Um, but we're, I, I, you know, I, and I didn't have both at the same time. You think, that, anyway. So I can't do this illustration in a, a big way. So if I did it in a big way, I'd have two buckets. Um, one would be uh, see-through. They'd both be see-through. One would be all clean water, and the other would be um, all really dark blackish water, muddy blackish water, okay? So imagine that I pulled this out of the dark bucket, and um, I come out of the world, and you're just dripping with filth. And then I want to then take it out of the dark bucket, and I want to receive all that God has for me. I ask the Lord Jesus Christ into my life, and I say, Jesus, you gave your life for me. You gave it all, so I say yes to you. I'm all in, and you want to be baptized. And so you enter into Christ. That's how Paul describes it. Now you enter into Christ. I'm all in, you say. And I say, yes, I'm holding nothing back. And you come out walking with Christ. And then here you are, you leak. <laughs> and here's how some of you think. You come out, out of the, the church service, and then you're thinking, okay, I made it from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I'm almost empty. I better go back. And you think of Sunday as how you fill up. Folks, let's look at it more realistically. 30 seconds, 40 seconds, 50 seconds, 60 seconds. Hey, we got one, uh, less than one minute and I'm empty. You never actually leave the presence of Christ. You want to be in Christ continually. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. You must abide in me. Abide in my word. Stay in me. You receive the Holy Spirit once, but to be filled with the Spirit, you keep going back again and again and again. 
It's not just because you leak. It's because you need Jesus. Okay? And here's what really happens when you grieve the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I'm clinched. I'm clinched to the Spirit. And I go to church. And I didn't get filled. Sometimes I'm clinched to the Spirit. And I go to the Word of God, I go to prayer, and it just feels dry. And guess what? I am dry. And it grieves the Holy Spirit that I'm dry. It grieves the Holy Spirit that I am not sensing God. Something is wrong because I've clinched off the Spirit's access to me. Something has clinched it off. And it's me that has clinched it off whether I'm aware of it or not. And God is asking us to go in to Christ again, again and again and again. And that's a continuous experience of getting just all the overflowing supply of grace that you need which is what the Holy Spirit gives to us when all is well. How many of you live all is well all the time? Not me. And so we have to listen to what the Scripture has to say about how this works. I'm commanded to be filled again and again. Now, I want to explain to you why this grieves the Holy Spirit when we clinch and when we uh, don't allow him in. And it's not going to be the simplistic answer that you'd like to hear. It's going to be a deeper dive. And so bear with me. And we're going to get into some um, headier um, thoughts that I want to try to make as simplistic as I can uh, to get the most out of it that we can. In John chapter 14, 16 through 17, we read, and I will ask the Father, this is Jesus speaking, and he will give you another counselor. Now, I'm going to give you the Greek for that. That word is paraclete, from parakaleo, the one who is drawn alongside us and walks alongside us. He's going to give us a counselor who walks with us. Parakaleo, he's called to be with us. He's going to give that counselor. Notice the word another, another counselor, to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. So he tells us right there, it's the Holy Spirit. He's the spirit that operates the truth and disseminates the truth and applies the truth of Jesus to us. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him, but you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. I want you to notice the pronouns. It's all him, 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 he, 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 him, the Holy Spirit. He's giving another counselor, parakaleo, paraclete, who's going to be in you. He will apply the truth in you. So here's a quick quote on the screen. Believers in Jesus have two counselors working together on their behalf. Now, so far I've just been talking about the one counselor. Well, you know who the first counselor is. It's Jesus. He came to walk alongside them. Isaiah 9, 6 said he is the wonderful counselor. And then we read from the same apostle who wrote the gospel of John, the little letters that he writes, the first one 
First John, Second John, Third John. The first one we read in this little letter, First uh, John two one through two. My little children, I am writing you these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate. Now I'm going to tell you the Greek word for the word advocate: paraclete. Same word. Counselor. Same word. The one who is called alongside. Now, watch carefully. Who is this counselor? Who is this paraclete we're talking about? We have an advocate with the Father. We're given his name, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. So Jesus Christ is the one counselor who's going to give us another counselor. And then we're told what this counselor, Jesus Christ, does. He himself is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. So Jesus is our counselor advocate, and the Holy Spirit is another counselor advocate. And here's a quote on the screen that I want us to kind of summarize together and kind of get a hold of what this means. Jesus is our advocate in heaven, and the Holy Spirit is Jesus' advocate in us. Okay? Now let's see if we can picture this a little bit. Jesus says, I must go away, and it's better for you if I do, because as I go to the Father, I'm going to pour out the Holy Spirit on you. He didn't use those words. I'm going to give you the, another counselor, and it's better that I do this. Why? Because now... It's not like I, me in a body, I can only be in one place at one time. I'm giving everybody, you, I'm giving you me in the Holy Spirit, another counselor in you. Now here's what I'm going to be doing as I advocate for you before the Father. He's in heaven advocating for our best interests before the Father. The Holy Spirit is in us advocating for whose best interests? No, the Holy Spirit is advocating for Jesus' best interests in us. Oh, so no wonder he gets grieved when we block off Jesus' victory from the cross and resurrection. When our sin clinches and blocks off the, the thing that God, that Jesus is advocating for us before the Father, it's, it's let me get at it this way. I have a, Jesus is my advocate in heaven, representing me before my Father. Jesus is working for my best interests, as if my advocate is in court saying to his Father, he's forgiven, I have paid all his debts, he's covered, he's exonerated, he is mine, just as you've given him to me, because of the purchased agreement. I paid everything so that you could give him to me, and he is mine, and he's advocating for us before the Father, okay? Like a court scene, but the Father is getting all the glory because Jesus did exactly what the Father wanted. He sent his Son, because he loved us so much, to do this for us, to purchase us out of the black bucket and put us into his experience and presence renewed in him. What does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit is Jesus' advocate in me, working for Jesus' best interests, applying everything from Jesus' victorious crucifixion and resurrection to me, and thereby honoring Jesus. So the Holy Spirit applies the victory, and he affirms it in me. You are forgiven. 
Jesus paid all your debts. He's covered you. He's exonerated you. And you are his. Be filled with his grace. All glory and honor and power belong to him. And he is withholding nothing from you. Glorify him. Thank him. Be set free by him. Live in the fullness of all of his blessings. Be filled by him. This is all of the message that he is welling up inside of me to honor Jesus. And what it will sound like next is, I am forgiven. I am exonerated. I am his. Jesus is mine. He receives all glory. And that, my friends, is when you start feeling full of the Holy Spirit instead of full of sin. I'm such a wretch. I, I just really blew it. See the change? How do you get from this before God to I am forgiven, I am set free, he is glorious, all honor to Jesus is you take eyes off of all on Jesus because you've confessed. When you confess, your clenched fist of self yields Let's not make this tough. It's exactly the same way you entered in in the first place. You were messed up. And then you confessed, I'm empty without you. I need you. There's nothing I can do to fill up myself. I don't have what it takes. I need Jesus. I'm a sinner. I have messed up. Well, as soon as you confess, the Holy Spirit says, finally, that's what I've been waiting for. You are forgiven. You are Jesus's. The victory of Jesus is enough. And you are in Christ. And you just start to be filled up with all of the victory of Jesus. You're in Christ and overflowing with Christ all over again. And you come out full. Right? Question to ask yourself. Have I given Jesus the master key to every room of my life? Is he my guest or my master? Clinch fist in life means, <laughs> sorry, this department and this department and this department of my life are off limits to you, but I want you in my life. Right? Now, I want you to picture that, that scenario because so many Christians live there and they're wondering why their life is anemic. By the way, anemic is a great word. In that book, The Power of His Presence, we were reminded in our last small group meeting together as we were working through that book, that um, the Holy Spirit is to our human spirit like blood is to the body. It's the life of God pumping into our spirit. And before the life of God is pumping into our spirit, we're spiritually dead. But when we come to Christ, the spirit of God indwells our human spirit, which directs our soul, our mind, will, and emotions to direct our body so that everything comes back to order. Because spiritually, it's like life is being pumped into us and we now see things the way they really are and we need Jesus, we need Jesus, we need Jesus and we direct our whole being, our mind, our will, and our emotions, even our body before Jesus. And it's like life pumping through again correctly. Without that, we're worse than anemic. We're spiritually dead if we haven't have the Holy Spirit in our spirit, okay? 
Now, oh, where were we? I want you to imagine you invited somebody to your house, okay? And um, you went away briefly and came back and you saw this guest that was in your house had found your uh, fire-safe lockbox and had it open in your master bedroom, all the personal and private and very important files strewn all over your bed, and you're going, what are you doing? Oh, I was just looking at your, your important stuff. And you say, and your, your anger is just going, I never invited you to look at my important stuff. That's my stuff, not your stuff. Welcome to the Christian life where the Jesus you've invited into your life is a guest, but not your master. You get my point? We tend to keep Jesus out of certain departments of our life to maintain a sense of, this is my life, not your life. And just to get at this, I want you to understand where I live. <laughs> Not that this is that important, but I stand up and say the same message to all three services, more or less, same. And I get very different reactions every time. From some people, I might say a hard message, and all I'm doing is doing the best I can to represent what Jesus teaches in the Word. And that hard message is received by some believers in a very, it, the Spirit of God used that message to bring conviction upon them, and they thank me for it. They're grateful for it. There's some things I need to work on. I'm so glad you, you, you brought that to my attention. And they want to um, deal with that before God. And they're grateful that I spoke the truth and they can get this thing and by the help of God cleared up and, and live in a fullness of God's goodness in their life. That same message, I get this angry reaction from somebody else's, how dare you make me feel the way you made me feel? That's my life. Who are you to speak into my life about my money, my lifestyle choices, and what my life is about? I'm not coming back. Do you see what just happened there? Jesus is not master in their life, and the guest Jesus was snooping in their files. And as the guest Jesus is snooping in the private life, they felt exposed and they felt like, you're judging me? I'm, I'm just teaching you that God cares about all of you and all departments of you. And you won't experience the fullness of the Spirit until you hand over every lockbox, unlocked, lay it out before Jesus and say, it's all yours, help me. Help me sort this out. I want to follow you. And be more like that first set of believers that says, this is convicting. I, ah, you're right. That's ugly. This isn't right. Even the way I, I view my money, I view it as if it's mine and it's yours. Even the way I view my own lifestyle choices, I view my body as if my body is mine, but it's yours. Do you see that different reaction? It's because we are treating Jesus as a guest instead of our Lord and Master. I give you my all. I have nothing to offer. I am all in. Which in baptism, I am now dead to my old me. The old me is gone. 
You have given me your spirit and life to be the new me in Christ, a new creation that's completely renewed, completely different. And yet we Christians act as if that's not true and we are clinched and we want to hold on to our decisions about what we do about the different things in our life and we're not even going to the source we go to our culture and let culture inform us what's normal folks what we see as normal in our culture is not normal i want better than normal and normal views me as weird Everybody, somebody's weirdo. <laughs> right? <laughs> Ephesians 5.18, back to the key verse. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit. I want you to see the compare and contrast here. How does a man get drunk? By drinking. How does a man stay drunk? He keeps drinking. And when he keeps drinking, he's under the influence of what? Alcohol. So we have a compare and a contrast. How is someone filled with the Holy Spirit? By drinking something, that's the compare. Better. Drinking something better, that's the contrast. Drinking from God's grace. How is he continuously filled? He keeps drinking. But he keeps drinking in God's grace. So the compare is, just like the drunk, drink. But don't drink alcohol. Drink from the truth of the victory of Jesus Christ. He is the truth. He is the way. He is the life. Drink in Jesus. I'm in Jesus. I'm coming back to Jesus. And he's in me. My old life is crucified. The life I now live, I live by faith in Jesus. And Jesus is living his victory through me. Everything that's mine, I lay before you. And I'm going to keep drinking. From the river of grace, overflowing supply for me. It's coming from you, Jesus. The compare and contrast. As you do this, you are the, under the influence of something better. Um, Adrian Rogers in his book, The Power of His Presence, had a one-liner that's a zinger. I don't have it quoted or memorized, but it's something like this. Some of you believers, you used to be filled with the Spirit, and then you got sober. You didn't want to be weird. You don't keep coming back. You don't keep drinking. That experience of the fullness of the Spirit and, and sensing God's nearness is lost to you. When did you get off the track? And how did you get off the track? That's where you have to confess. That's where you have to come back, just like the sinner comes back. So a common mistake when you're trying to come back, and it's one that I have to recognize in myself, a common mistake when you're trying to come back is you try to come back by effort when you came to Jesus by faith. You don't come back by effort. You come to Jesus the same way you come to Jesus. In the first place, it's by faith. I have nothing to offer you, Jesus. I have sinned. I'm not trying to work my way back by trying to read more scripture, by praying a little harder so that I can be filled up by reading scripture and praying more. That's not how it works. And so I loved how Roy Hessian in his book, Be Filled Now, expresses a better truth. The Spirit bids us cease from trying to get 
peace by our efforts and to come to Jesus as a sinner and rest in what he has done. As we do so, the burden of striving and self-reproach slips away from our hearts and the comforter whispers peace to our hearts. We are not merely on the winning side, but on the side that has already won. We do not fight for victory, but from it. Every time you come back, you come back the way you came. Humbly confessing, I need you, Jesus. I confess to you, Jesus, that I stepped off the road and began to live independently and I'm running my own life through my own mind, through my own emotions, through my own body urges, through my feelings. God, I want to lead my life by your spirit, leading my spirit so that it all comes under you. Everything is yours. I confess, I need you. The spirit says, amen, finally. Thank you. Jesus has forgiven you. Jesus has set you free. Jesus is, is advocating for you before the Father. Jesus is flooding grace into you right now. Do you receive it? Do you receive it? I am forgiven. I've been set free. Jesus is my Savior. I'm following Jesus. I am. My, my old life is dead. I'm going to live from his victory. Not try to achieve my victory. I'm going to live from his victory in my life and praise him. Thank you, Jesus. And as you leave this place, when's the next time you're coming to Jesus? Hopefully 30 seconds. Lord Jesus, you're so good. Lord Jesus, I'm coming to you. Lord Jesus, thank you for giving me your words. Lord Jesus, thank you for giving me things that are become truths that just reinforce and strengthen the victory that you have accomplished in me. I am praising you. Let my praise be always on my lips because I'm leading my soul, my body, my being before you with worship. God, it's all about you. It's not about me. It's all about eternity. It's all about your victory. And Jesus is pulling for our best interest while the Spirit is speaking Jesus' best interest into our life, into our life, into our life, into our life. Don't grieve him. Don't block it. And the moment you do, immediately, don't try to earn it back. Confess. And let him flood in. Start worshiping, start thanking, start praising, start saying the truth. He is the spirit of truth. Applying the truth of Jesus right here, right now, in you. If you're not sure you've ever received the Spirit of God, you need to connect with Jesus. Simply put, what do we do now? Peter answered, repent, believe, be baptized, say you're all in, receive all the victory of Jesus for you the first time. Now, keep, you only need to receive him once, Come to Jesus, come to Jesus, come to Jesus. Be filled, be filled, be filled, be filled. Our responsibility is to be filled with Jesus. Through his spirit, I'm in Christ and Christ is in me. Would you pray? Lord God, I thank you for the power of your spirit. We want to experience you and your presence. Sense you more, love you more, and come to you more where it's all about you all the time. Every department of our life, every private box and file, where we live in a victory, 
like we've never lived before. It's from your victory, not from trying harder, but connecting with you through the power of your spirit, applying your life to ours. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We have a prayer team to the left of the stage to pray with you, whatever that prayer request might be. I urge you to come to Jesus in however you need to come. If you have a friend that you're just praying for or an ailment or something along that line, we'd be happy to pray for that as well. God bless you. See you next week as it's all about cleaning and keeping your house clean. <laughs>